This week on One Body Stewarding God's Creation, we learn all about saints with Diana Kerner. What does it take to become a saint? How should we view saints? Well, let's find out. Diana is being interviewed by Divine Mercy Radio's on-air host, Kelly Roper. All right, so we are talking with Diana Kerner, and she is uh, going to be talking with us about Catholic Trivia of Saints. So I'll give a little bit of introduction for Diana. Um, Diana Kerner is a retired nurse and nursing educator. She taught at Northwest Kansas Technical School and then enjoyed a 25-year career teaching at Fort Hayes State University. She has one son and two grandchildren. Diana is a member of St. Nicholas of Myra Church in Hayes, and Diana is going to talk about the saints, so get a paper and pencil ready. Thank you for for joining us here today. Well, thank you for inviting me. So we've been told that you are an encyclopedia of saints. So how did you become interested in the saints and and gain all of this wonderful knowledge? Well, it's happened over the years, but truthfully, I'm not an encyclopedia. (laughs) There's stated to be over 10,000 canonized saints. So I know a few. So, uh, but my earliest recollection was back when I was choosing a saint for my confirmation. I found really reading about different saints was really interesting. So back in high school, I also came across a saint who is the patron saint of hopeless cases. And boy, with some of my classes and homework, I thought it was hopeless case. Yeah, yes. Um, I uh, decided to start praying to St. Jude Thaddeus. Yeah. And he's also a patron saint for those who are alone. And so... Um, St. Jude was uh, a cousin to Jesus and one of the apostles, and so I interested. I was interested in knowing more about him, so I turned to him to pray for me to pass my classes, and he's basically been my primary pa- patron saint my whole life. Here, here lately, they're calling it, instead of hopeless cases, what they're doing is they're saying it's he's the patron saint of hope. Well. Okay, but... I still sometimes consider him hopeless. I'm not him hopeless, but uh, my cause hopeless. So either way, I just I do offer intercession to him. I've also found that there's a blessed Diana that I can pray to to help me to do the will of God every day. Yeah. And so um, those are two of those that I've kind of become interested in. One I've had a long time, one I've had recently. Do you have a saint that you would recommend for, for the saint of fear, patron saint of fear? Yes, probably the best-known saint is St. Dimpna, and I will spell that. That's D-Y-M-P-H-N-A, St. Dimpna. She is the one to ask for intercession, basically to the Blessed Mother and then for Mary to intercede to her son for your situation. And that can be anything from fear, anxiety, stress, crisis, depression, suicidal thoughts, mental disorders like Alzheimer's and dementia, and for peace of mind. Mm. So why are saints important to maturing in our Catholic faith, and why should we develop a relationship with the saints? Well, we know that Christ alone is the one through whom and to whom prayer is to be offered. However, we can pray to Christ directly or by means of intercession to a saint or angel in heaven. So that is something that sometimes people don't connect with, that, that, you know, you, you can ask this particular saint or angel to intercede for you. 
Um, of course, when you ask the Blessed Mother to help you and intercede for you in your situation, she's the greatest saint in heaven. Yeah. And she intercedes to her son, which is a direct line to him for all our concerns, our needs, and anything along the line that we're needing assistance with. Right. And so that that's one big blessing that... Uh, I really find in studying the saints is that many of them turn right away to the Blessed Mother to go to uh, the Lord in order to help with our situation. And I think another thing people don't often think about, sometimes you, oh, this happened, it was good, you know, but we need to go back and thank the Blessed Mother or the saint or whomever for their intercession so that um, they appreciate and they know we appreciate what they're doing for us. I guess many times people don't stop and think about the souls and the angels in heaven exist and have a purpose. I know people have often said, well, what do you do in heaven? Well, I can't answer that, but I do know that they have to have a purpose because they belong to the universal church. We all do belong here. We here on this earth are not the church. The church involves heaven for those souls in purgatory and all of us here on this earth. So we have to remember that every baptized believer has God as a father. Jesus has his eldest brother. Mary is a mother, and the saints and brother, saints are our brothers and sisters. When we keep that in mind, it makes us think of us a family of us in saints in heaven and on earth. So when we do that, it really makes us realize that we can open our hearts to them. They're willing to pray for us no matter what. We just have to open up and petition our intercession to them. I like what St. John of the Cross, he lived in the 1500s, taught. He said that the science or study of the saints is good for the soul. Mm-hmm. And I've often thought that's, that's a really good summary statement to know that my, and I'll, I'll address a little bit that more of that in a, in a little bit, but um, I consider my favorite saints or my blessings uh, as family, like I said. And um, I'll give you an example, a time of stress for myself or if I know others are experiencing stress or whatever the fear or anxiety, whatever, I call on St. Dimpsia, as I've said I do, and in, if I have trouble with my computer or technology, which I do very often, I call upon Blessed Carlo, and he was the one that was very tech-savvy. Yes. And I tell you, I call on him quite a bit. I, when I first read about him and everything a few years back, I thought, oh, my goodness, um, you know, this is uh, a young man that so demonstrates the spirituality of of his own life with regards to the Lord, and um, I, I'm sure he's going to become canonization here before too long. But he also did all of that um, investigative reports and uh, information on the Blessed Sacrament and all the miracles that happened with the Blessed Sacrament over, you know, over the centuries. And um, so, you know, he's, he's, like I said, very tech-savvy in knowing how to pull all this together. Yes. Another saint I often call on is St. Anthony. Well, for me, St. Anthony, I mean, he is the patron saint. Most people know to find things, but he also helps to find lost souls. Mm. And he's also the patron saint for the elderly. Yeah. And a lot of times people don't connect those. They just think, St. Anthony, help me find this, you know, whatever. But he also can help find lost souls. And so that's another one of my favorite ones. There's another reason why we should consider why we venerate saints. We can evangelize our faith through the saints, and most people don't think about this, but when we share our knowledge of the saints, we are sharing the saints' belief in God Mm. and how to lead a really holy life. And if you teach your children or family members about the saints, it's very important so that they learn about the love and belief in God and how to give Him glory. 
um, Pope Benedict the, just states uh, recently that the true interpreters of the scriptures are the saints because they lend flesh and blood to the words of Christ. And I thought that was very, very thoughtful with regards to how we look at the saints. Um, knowing about those saints that we pray to or intercede for us, uh, basically what it does, it provides us an inspiration to look towards our own unique sainthood. Many people don't say, well, be how, how can I be a saint? But that's what the good Lord made you for, you know, is that, some, that you will become a saint, and you're going to be a unique saint. You're not going to be like any other saint. You're going to be unique because you will have surprising graces that come to you along the way as you live your life. So it's, it's not like you're going to have to be like St. Dominic or St. Padre Bay or whomever. You will have your own unique sainthood, and many people don't stop to think about that. What is the process, and what's the difference between a blessed and a saint in, okay. in that process? Well, with regards to that, I want to give a little history. First of all, prior to 1200s, there really was no formal process for canonization. Uh, that, that didn't start till about the 1500s in the Church. And those over time, those changes have been mostly changed to make it fit the situation of the changing culture and everything. But Pope John Paul II was really influential in getting it updated and everything. And um, prior to the 1400s, they were identified by the public. The public will say, this is such a holy person, it's surely got to be a saint. And so the presiding bishop over that area can go ahead at that time prior to the 1400s and say, this is a saint. They didn't need Pope approval. Well, now you need Pope approval, and I'll explain that in a little bit. There are four reasons for why one should be considered for canonization. One, that they were a martyr. Two, the purity of doctrine, which means that nothing was said or done by them was against the faith teaching of the Church. And the third is reputation for holiness. I mean, you think of um, St. Teresa of Calcutta. She had a reputation for holiness. And then the fourth one was just um, added by Pope Francis, laying down one's life for another. And you can think of Father Capon with regards to that particular situation. So once there's support for the person to be considered for sainthood, then the process starts. So the process begins at the diocesan level. There, the individual bishop, they collect a detailed study of the life and miracles attributed to the candidate. And once uh, they start this process, they're called a servant of God. So that's kind of the first step. Mm -hmm. And they put all the data together, and once they have that together, they then go ahead and submit it to Rome, to the Congregation for the Causes of the Saints. And um, that's when, when it's sent there, that's called the servant of God. This is a private veneration. They're not a public veneration like a saint at this point. Then we have the venerable. That's where the congregation and Rome, all the theologians get together, discuss everything, and see if everything looks okay to go ahead and, and submit them on for blessed. But what happens at this point is that the Pope will okay them to be moving forward, and they become venerable, and that is still a private veneration. When there has been one miracle associated to that particular candidate, they then move into being approved as blessed. Now, the miracle has to be supernatural. It's scientifically unexplainable. It's permanent and complete. So those things have to all be met, and it must occur after the death of the candidate. So because of all of this, there's a lot of time that's involved in researching this and putting all the data and information together. Now, the only exception to this is the martyr. He can declare blessed right away. 
that is of a particular situation like Lester Stanley Rother. He was a martyr for his faith and the first priest from the United States to be beatified. So he is, a, is an example of that. This does allow for public veneration then when they reach blessed status. I also have another blessed one that I really like. Uh, it's Marie, Maria Christine. She's for vigilance and prayer. And I don't know about you guys, mm-hmm. but there's some days when life just takes over and I get so busy and, and then all of a sudden I think, I just really need to get my prayers not me, but I want to get my prayers in to thank the Lord for all he's done. So I say, okay, blessed Maria Christine, I need some time here. I need to be able to sit down and do this. And so I really like calling on her to help me be vigilant in my prayers. So that's another one. It's then blessed after that, Maria Christine? Blessed Maria Christine. Uh-huh. Yeah, she, she, I, oh, I, I, it's been within the last six, seven months that I happened to come across her. And I thought, oh, this is just definitely somebody I need to, some days I really need that help. Yeah. And it's for perseverance in prayer? Is that what you Vigilance. said? Vigilance. Vigilance. Vigilance so in I, prayer. I yeah. do it. I do it, you yeah. know, every day. Yeah. So I thank the Lord every day for what he's done for me. Yeah. The fourth step, that's canonization. Uh-huh. That's where a second miracle has to occur. And, uh, but again, for martyrs, they only need one. Because they automatically, from being a martyr, move to blessed, if that's the Pope's approval. And then from canonization, then they only need one miracle. Otherwise, everyone else needs two. Um, but remember, whoever is in heaven is a saint. Yeah. Canonization allows the Church to formally recognize what God has already done. The Pope can also the re- release or lift the requirement for the second miracle for sainthood. Mm-hmm. Finally, the Pope approved the canonization, and now we have public veneration, both at the blessed level and at the canon and at the can- uh, canonization. So it can take from a few years to hundreds of years, or not at all, in order to go ahead and run through the whole process. Why do Catholics venerate the saints' relics? For for those who don't know what a relic is, we probably ought to stop just for a moment and explain what a relic is, and then we can talk about venerating those relics. Okay. Uh, basically, um, a relic uh, is a, uh, a piece of the body of the saint, the one who's already canonized, and uh, it is a small, tiny piece of flesh, or could be something like that, and it's covered with a protection so that, you know, it's not destroyed, like a thin piece of plastic or something over it to cover it. But this is called a first-class relic. A second-class relic is an item owned or used by the saint, and then an object which has been touched to what we call a first-class relic, uh, that becomes what is called a third-class relic. So those are the three different types of relics that we have in the Church. So then tell us what is venerate, and uh, why do Catholics venerate saints' relics? Okay. Basically, relics have been venerated. They're not worshipped, okay? And they've been venerated for a long time. In fact, the earliest veneration was back in 155 A.D., after the martyrdom of St. Polycarp, who was a bishop. And even into the middle, in the Middle Ages, they really started believing and found that the saint's body and objects that had been in contact with the saint had miraculous curing. There was miraculous curing uh, with regards to that particular saint. So it has been around for a long time, and we also know that, speaking of prayers and miracles and all that stuff, it's spoken to in the Bible. Um, you know, our, if you have a particular patron saint, they're protectors or guardians over the areas of our life. 
And don't forget that the Blessed Mother is the patient of America. And uh, so I pray for her, for to her, for peace in our country, um, for intercession when there's been oh, all kinds of things going on with, with uh, in, in our country, that there needs to be intercession or grieving that they need to be assisted. Those are the kinds of things that I pray about. The other thing I don't think a lot of people realize is that for every consecrated altar, there is a relic of a saint that's in that altar. Yeah. And when the priest starts Mass and bows down and kisses that relic prior to starting Mass, it is done. You know, you kind of wonder, why did he kiss the altar? Well, there's a relic there. Now, the question I have for you guys, too, is do you know what relic is in the altar of your church or your parish? Mm-hmm. you know which relic is there? The other thing that comes into play is when you think about a relic, I'm going to give you an analogy. When a family member dies, what do you do? You try to think about what memento you might want to keep of this person's belongings or something like that. It's, it's a treasure to be valued. And basically, much in the same way, we venerate the saints' relic to really help us remember their lives, their spiritual greatness, and remind us, true, that heaven is obtainable for all of us. Yeah. So that's why we really venerate the saints. It really creates for us a belief in our spiritual family and the whole universal church. So that's one of the things that I think really makes it super neat, and especially if they have a feast day. You know, the feast day uh, of the saints is basically what I kind of say. It's kind of uh, kind of similar to a birthday party we might have here on Earth for someone that is here living on Earth. But the feast day is to honor that person that had really spent a beautiful life with spiritual purity to show us the way to get to heaven. And so that's why I think... Overall, that connection to the communion of saints and to the Lord through intercession is really something really, really, really special. I have a number of relics that I've gained over the years, and one of the things that uh, I have a card, just most of them have a card with a prayer on it to the saints, and then there's the relic in, you know, on, the, on the card itself. And just touching it for me is comfort, because that had somehow, either through the first, second, or third class relic, been near that saint, and it just gives me some comfort. And so that's that's another reason for me, anyway, while I like to have them. The other thing, I've been to the Sacred Heart Room at St. Joseph's Parish quite a bit to look for things, and there are a lot of relics in there for various saints. And so if you're wanting some relics, you could always go there. It's open to all the parishes, so anybody can go in there to look and see what relics might be there. We need to take a short break right now, but don't change that dial. We'll be right back with more about saints with Diana Kerner. We're back on One Body Stewarding God's Creation. One body. One body. All about saints. God's creation. One body. With Diana Kerner. One body. One body. Stewarding God's creation. Kelly Roper conducts the interview. So tell us, do you know who the first saint was? Well, I know who the first canonized saint was. Okay. That was St. Ulrich. It's called, he's, his name is U-L-R-I-C-H. He was canonized um, by um, 
Pope John the Fifteenth, and uh, he was from Germany. So, but I personally believe the first saint is Saint Dismas, D-I-S-M-A-S. He's a good thief that asked Jesus to remember him, and Jesus said, "Today you'll be with me in heaven." At the time of the crucifixion. So I kind of always think of St. Dismas as one of the first saints, even though not canonized, but one of the first saints, and then the first canonized was St. Ulrich. And a, a lot of times you can find a lot of good information at Catholic.org. You know, if you just go in there and put in the saint name or the patron of, you know, insomnia or whatever it is, just see what comes up. You know, one of your favorite saints is St. Is saint Dymphna. Do you have other favorite saints and why? Okay. Well, I've already talked about St. Diphna and St. Jude and St. Anthony. St. Joseph, of course, he's the stepfather of Jesus when they were here on this earth. And so he's a saint of husbands and fathers for a happy death. And also he oversees and the universal church. So that's a good saint that I like to pray to. And then there's one St. Cajetan, and you have to spell that one, C-A-J. E-T-A-N, C-A-J-E-T-A-N. He lived in the 1500s, and he was a saint that really looked out for the poor. And so he decided that a lot of people didn't have money. So he said, bring me something, and I'll give you money. So they would bring in something, and then he would give them some money so they could buy groceries or whatever. And he is the saint of finding employment, which kind of speaks to our times. And basically, that first agency that he started lending money to today, we would call similar to a pawn shop, but later it became the Bank of Naples. Mm. So it really grew over time. And then another couple of saints, St. Anne and St. Joachim, are the grandparents uh, to Jesus, their parents uh, to Mary. And so I prayed to them myself because that being grandparents, that I can be a good grandparent to my grandchildren, and of course, Padre Pio. If you read any of his books, they're fascinating. Uh, and one of the books, he, uh, one of the priests walked by his room, and the next day he said, boy, there's a lot of noise coming from your room. And he said, well, I was fighting with the devil, yeah. he said. so, And so I pray to him to keep me from temptation. And any time I have a need, if there's a need for uh, something that I just doesn't seem to fit anywhere, then I just pray to him to help with that. Of course, St. Paul, he's the saint of missions and missionaries. What a lot of people don't know, he was also he is also the saint of rope, saddle, and tent makers. And people go, what? Well, that was his occupation back then. He didn't just accept money. The apostles didn't just accept money. They earned their way towards food or lodging or whatever. So that's what he was, mostly a tent maker. Hmm. And then, let's see, St. Catherine of Siena, a lot of you know her. She really focused on the needs of the poor. Boy, she was a trailblazer, though, back in her times in the 1300s. She's basically a role model for young Catholic women that through faith and harnessing the strength of God, one can make an impact on the Church. And she is the patron of fire, illness, nurses, and those ridiculed for their faith. Also, she also um, helps to have individual, assist individuals to be against sexual temptation. Uh, She was told she was going to have to get married. She said, no, I'm committed to God. And so um, she is uh, one that we can pray to for that. It's interesting, I was in, when I was in Rome, I actually got to visit where she was buried in the church right around the corner from where we were staying. And when I went in and visited with the priest there, he said her body is underneath the altar there, but her head is in Siena. Mm. 
And I said, really? And she, he said, yes, Sienna wanted the whole body, but that's what they eventually settled on, was they got the head, and the body of her is there in Rome. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And then, of course, we know St. Teresa of Lisieux, mm-hmm. most of us, for missionaries. She always wanted to be one. And then um, St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta. She's a saint for the poor, and a lot of us know about her. But remember, she's a saint for the poor, but that's poor not only of body, but poor of mind and soul. So they actually have a movie on EWTN, and they also have one on St. Rita that I'm going to talk about, too. Uh, St. Rita's for dysfunctional families and to have peace within families and for patience. Sometimes it takes a lot of patience to maintain that peace. Um, St. John Paul II, he's a saint of World Youth Day. He and Faustina were very good friends, and both of them lived Christ in them all the time. They both are very devoted or were very devoted to the divine mercy of God. And then for faith, for a greater faith, there's always St. Sebastian and St. Stephen. St. Sebastian was shot with arrows, and St. Stephen was stoned. He basically is considered the first Christian martyr. And then there is a St. Odilia. Let me give you that. O-D-I-L-I-A. Odilia. She actually has a national shrine in Minnesota, but the other saints that go along for the healing of the eyes are St. Lucy, St. Clair, and St. Criacus. And Criacus is an older saint, but Lucy and Clair and Odilia are more recent saints for the healing of the eyes. And, of course, John Vianney, St. John Vianney, is a priest. So those are some of my favorite ones. Okay, St. Peregrine, P-E-R-E-G-R-I-N-E. He's for cancer patients. He himself prayed to the Lord for healing of cancer on his leg, and the next day they were going to do surgery, and it was totally healed. Yeah. St. Markulf, C-U-L-F, M-A-R-C-U-L-F, for skin conditions. St. Medard, M-E-D-A-R-D, for storms and severe weather. This was a new one for me that I found recently. And um, M-E-D-A-R-D, and then St. Roach, R-O-C-H, for knee problems. And another one I recently found was St. Nicholas of Flu, F-L-U-E, for peace. And boy, do we need peace. Boy, and then St. Apollonia. Uh, for teeth problems, when one of the persons persecuting her hit her in the mouth, it uh, basically knocked out a bunch of her teeth. So she's a patron saint of dental diseases, tooth problems, that sort of thing. Another one for brain surgery or head injuries, and I think of athletics with head injuries and something like that, John Lychee, L-I-C-C-I, for head injuries. And then... Um, we also have St. Rocco, R-O-C-C-O, and he is the patron saint of invalids, and uh, St. Guile, the disabled, and also those with epilepsy or seizures. And then St. Bernardine, not Bernardine, Bernardine is a male of Siena for respiratory illnesses. And, of course, you're probably familiar with St. Blaise for the throat because we always get our throats left. And he's also for ear problems as well. Hmm. And um, for those with intestinal problems, there's St. Timothy. There's several. St. Timothy, St. Elmo, St. Francis of Assisi, and St. Emerentiana. I'm not going to spell that the long name, but if you get Elmo or Timothy or Francis of Assisi, they all had intestinal problems that they dealt with. St. Gemma uh, was for back pain. She was always in chronic health problems, and so she is also for um, pharmacists as well as students. And um, St. Charles Borromeo, 
You know, the Holy Spirit is within our bodies, and so basically we should be looking at having a healthy body as our place of, of rest for the Holy Spirit in our bodies. So any history of dietary concerns or anything like that would be someone you could play to, pray to, St. Charles. And then St. Alphonsus and St. James, of course, James was a cousin to Jesus and Apostle, they had arthritis, and so they're another one that you could pray, another couple you could pray to. Some of you have heard of St. Monica and Augustine and Ambrose. And um, for St. Monica, we prayed to them for all our prodigal loved ones who, so they come back to the church. It did say that for her prayers were unanswered for 20 years, but for the conversion of St. Augustine, who later became canonized and a doctor of the church. Yes. So prayers hold a lot of power. Yes, absolutely. So is there a patron saint of Catholic radio stations? Yes. Not a patron saint yet. There's Blessed Stanley Rother. He was martyred in Guatemala in 1981, and the Pope moved him to blessed status because of his martyrdom, and he was from Oklahoma. He established the first Catholic radio station in Guatemala. He's the first priest American-born martyr. And if you go to, if any of you have a booklet at home on the Word Among Us, go to your November issue, and uh, in there you'll read about his whole life, uh, what took place there. One thing that's of interest is that the parish down there in Guatemala did not want to send his body back, but they finally agreed that if they could keep his heart and bury it under the church, they could take the rest of his body back to Oklahoma, and so that's what happened. Some good saints for, for those preparing for confirmation? Well, I think if you know of what you want to be in the future, I mean, if you want to be a doctor or something, then I would go to Catholic.org and just put in patron saint of doctors or pharmacists or bricklayers or whatever and, and just put it in and see what comes up. But some off the top of my head would be St. Aloysius for young people, St. Maria Goretti and St. Philomena. Both were martyred because they would not uh, deny their faith. And uh, Maria Goretti was 11 and St. Philomena was 15. When she was martyred, the uh, St. John Bosco is the patron of youth, and um, St. Raphael is an archangel, but he's also the patron saint of travelers and for healing. Uh, it's said in some of my readings that he doles out the medicine of God, So, mm. and he's also for medical doctors. St. Michael the archangel is for first responders, police, armed forces, anyone who protects us from bodily and spiritual per- perils. Yes. And so that is something that uh, definitely uh, could, one could use to pray to. Um, whatever you do, try to look about, and there's a lot of books on the saints in the Sacred Heart Room, too, that you can pick up. And uh, I like one thing that came out of a book that I have. It's called Saint of the Day, and it says, Holiness does not depend on human merit, culture, personality, effort, or achievement. It is entirely God's creation and gift mm. to you. Okay, so how about some popes? Are there any popes that have been declared? We know, you know, obviously St. John Paul the Great, um, but any other popes that have been declared saints? Well, it's interesting. Um, there have been 266 popes. Eighty have been declared saints. However, in the last 1,000 years, only seven popes have been canonized. Mm. And the last two were St. Paul VI and St. John Paul II, both on the same day, by Pope Francis. Yeah. So there haven't been a whole, since, you know, if you look at, since the first St. Peter, and, you know, the last 1,000 years, so that's about 1,021 years that they had uh, quite a few saints declared up uh, popes, but in the last 1,000 years, only about seven popes. 
How how do you continue with educating yourself about the saints and that our that our listeners can use as well? Well, I, the references I think you can go to. Um, there's a, a but CatholicEducation.org is another one. Um, there's one um, the, the Magnificat. If any of you get the Magnificat prayer book, every day there's a saint in there, and so except for Sundays, and so you can learn more about the saints that way. There's also a number of good books out. There's one by Michael O'Neill, They Might Be Saints. It's by EWTN. They're publishing it. And it's all the 24 saints and blessings of the United States. And so that can kind of get you up to date on what's going on that way. And another one is CatholicSaints.info. If you went to that resource, that would also be another one. I constantly, anytime someone mentions to me, uh, you know, a saint, and I need to look it up like, like St. Kelly, I'll go look it up and see what I can find out about it, you know, yeah. type of thing. So uh, that keeps me pretty much in the know, and then it gives me a chance to share whenever I hear someone saying, well, I'm going to have surgery or have this or whatever. I can say, well, I'll either pray for them with regards to what's going on to that saint, or I will uh, tell them that that's a saint that they can ask for intercession. Diana, last things that you want to share with us. Well, you know, there's one saint I'd like to bring up because of she's just lived recently in, in our times, and St. Gianna, G-I-A-N-N-A. She refused to have an abortion to save her life, even though she had cancer. Yeah. Her husband and the daughter that was not aborted were there for her canonization in 2004. Yeah. This is the first time ever a husband watched his wife's canonization. She is the saint of mothers and unborn babies, yeah. children. Well, I highly encourage all of you to think about the saints. Uh, I mean, they become a part of your whole life in the universal church. I mean, they're members of our universal church, and they're there for us. They're there for us to support us, to help us. We just have to open our hearts and ask for them for their intercession. And at the same time, when you learn about it and then share it with others, you're basically sharing the life of Christ and what He wants in us. And it's it's so... It's to me, it's an honor that I, if I gain this knowledge and I can share this knowledge, then it's it's evangelizing those who maybe didn't know about things. But occasionally, I'll have people say, "Well, who's a saint for this?" Or, you know, uh, I know you gave me a saint's name, I forgot it. That's okay. You know, I don't mind answering questions and things like that because it's it's there for us. But go to some of the lives of the saint books that are very very good, uh, and I listed some of those already, too, in some of the websites. It's probably the handiest to go to websites to just go ahead and find uh, a patron saint uh, for whatever your situation is, or, you know, like for St. Monica, for those that are out of the church who left the church, um, you know, and then ask for what a prayer to St. Monica. You could ask that right away, and they can bring it up, and then there's a prayer to pray for those souls that have left the church. So those are the kinds of things that I think really help increase our faith. Thank you. You are truly an encyclopedia of the saints. So we we are so grateful for the time that you gave to us today and for all of the knowledge and wisdom that you were able to share. Well, you're welcome. Thanks to all of you who support this radio network. To learn more about Divine Mercy Radio's evangelization mission, visit dvmercy.com and also download the free phone app. If you're a business or service that would like to underwrite this phone app or this One Body Show, please call 
4110. You're listening to Divine Mercy Radio 105.7 KMDG Hayes, 101.7 KJDM Lindsborg Salina, 88.1 KRTT Great Bend, and 88.1 KBDM Hayes. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. (laughs) 